Good afternoon, good morning, good evening, wherever you are in the world. I'm Russell Tovey. And I'm Robert Diamond. And this is Talk Art. Welcome to Talk Art. How are you today, Rob? Today, Russell, I am feeling gay, gay, gay. I'm feeling oh, yeah. very queer. And I'm feeling um, <laughs> like I've been thinking actually a lot about masculinity, thanks to our guest today. Masculinity can encompass many different things, but our guest's work today has been exploring all the different facets and even ideas like body dysmorphia and makes the most amazing figurative paintings that just are so kind of poetic in a way. And they have a real connection to the past, but I feel like he's trying to take painting to somewhere sort of almost like to uncharted territories to somewhere new at the same time they they kind of feel familiar but they also feel brand brand new and i'm very jealous because he's currently in berlin which um we both adore and i've not been there now for about three years or something because of the pandemic but you and i used to go all the time didn't we we did we we had lots of art adventures in berlin we did and uh, it was actually a big place for our friendship. I think we uh, we bonded a lot over there. I also okay. wanted to shout out that this special episode is supported by Gucci um, on the special occasion of Andrew's first exhibition in France at their Saint-Germain boutique. Um, and it also coincides with the men's fashion shows in Paris. Thank you, Gucci. We would like to welcome to Talk Art... Andrew, Andrew Moncrief. Moncrief. Hi, Andrew. Hi, how's it going? Good, it's really good, mate. How's Berlin today? Uh, it's finally summer. It feels like it's uh, twenty-four degrees. I think it's it's warm. It's it's finally getting there. It's been a it's been a it's been a winter. You know, it's been up and down weather, but it's super nice today and sunny. Well, you're sat there in a vest, so this is a good sign. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 warm. It's warmer than I thought outside, so I got a little sweaty when I arrived to my studio today. <laughs> hot so you are as people can hear you're canadian but we find you in berlin today and we find you in your art studio why as a canadian do you find yourself in berlin as an artist um so i moved to berlin uh well i mean the reason to live in berlin is it's like i I would say one of the best cities to be an artist in um pragmatically uh also it's one of the only cities in europe to offer a freelance artist visa so it's hard for artists to live abroad sometimes and getting a visa can be really challenging because, I mean, I guess we don't often make money or we're a liability. So, but Berlin, on the other hand, not the case. Um, it's super easy to get a visa here for an artist. So that's part of it. And well, that's uh, good to know. And, and why, would you, why would you say it's the best city for artists? I mean, I had visited here the first time 10 years ago and it's, it's super creative. Uh, it's... You know, there's lots of music and clubbing and there's a lot of artists that live here. Um, I mean, I, I think it's pretty like known for a place for creatives to live. And so I, I think it's I would say it's like kind of artist Mecca, like live, work, artist life, kind of the, the place to be. And I always wanted to live here. So I just I've, it's like a long journey getting here. But uh, and so now now I live here. <laughs> That's great. Well, I've read that, I mean, obviously there is an incredible Berlin art scene, but I've read that you've talked about how you have a lot of art friends in Berlin and you do regular studio visits with each other and you have a real kind of critical artistic friendship group out there. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 actually one of the things I'm most grateful for in Berlin. Um, I never really had um, so many artist friends um, 
where I lived. Like I used to live in Montreal for 10 years. And that's also quite a strong like creative community. But but Berlin is really like it, it feels like it's almost weird if you're not an artist or a freelancer here. You're sort of like not the norm. Whereas in like North America, it's like if you're not like a doctor or a lawyer or somebody, it's sort of you're you know kind of like the odd one out. But in Berlin, it's totally the opposite. And did have you have you felt your work has evolved drastically since you moved there? Like has the place informed the development of your work? Yeah, Berlin has been, yeah, I mean, it's sort of just been like this crazy sort of huge shift, like upwards. Um, I mean, I moved here just before the pandemic. So I moved here in September 2019. So um, it's been quite a it's been quite a journey. But I really, the pandemic was really good because it wasn't good. Sorry, let me let me erase that. But like it (laughs) for (laughs) as a creative person, like uh, for an art practice, like it really like there was no FOMO, no, there's nothing going on. There was no social obligation. So it was just like studio. Like I, I signed the lease for my studio two weeks before everything shut down uh, the, my current space. And I just was like here, like every day working, sort of just like doing, you know, like doing the deep dive into myself, you know, so it was it was um, productive, very productive in that sense. Um, what area are you in in Berlin? So uh, my studio is in Lichtenberg. So it's, uh, it's very far east. So it's like former east. Um, it's like not really a charming area. I'll be honest. I don't even think it's like, it's not even like a cool area. It's, it's not gentrified at all. It's, um, it's kind of an odd, an odd area. But it's nice because there's a lot of green space around and it can, it's relatively quiet. So I can kind of, you know, I get out of like my hectic neighborhood and I come to my studio and like, if I need a break, I can walk down the street and there's like a massive sort of green park with like grazing sheep and goats and stuff. So it's nice. It's the (laughs) joy of Berlin. (laughs) Amazing. But you see, you said then in your, so during the lockdown, you had your studio practice and that was your regular routine and you went in on yourself. So when you say you go in on yourself, this is your discovering moments of your past because your work is driven by your autobiography of your experience of growing up uh, as a gay man in uh, a remote island uh, called Comox Valley. Is that right? In Canada and how that, that kind of, that moment that we all go through as queer people of trying to, you know, work out who we are, that really identifies your practice today. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's been, it's, it's been, I mean, I've, I've also been in like therapy for the last year, year and a half. So it's, it's, it's been this really sort of interesting, like I'm diving into my work and then I'm like, I'm going to a therapist. So I'm like talking about, you know, talking about talking about like you know personal things and so it's all very interconnected you know and it's been really nice it's been nice to have therapists to kind of help me you know work out sort of uh, to sort of act as a mirror and help me and then my work is also like a direct kind of reflection of that as well so um it's nice to have like a little bit of structure personal life you know working through stuff and and also just sort of and then coming in like physically working through it and 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 painting and in drawing and stuff and i guess the pandemic like this sort of the space and time uh that that i had over the last 2 years like i really got to sort of like okay there's no excuses like let's let's go 
head on into it through it and sort of like really sort of reflect um reflect on everything and it's been it's been really really yeah it's been really good like also like just living in berlin too like the access to art and museums is just incredible like i mean it's such i'm i'm so like it's three years of living in europe and i'm like i can't believe i live in europe still you know it's crazy um so yeah i heard somewhere that that you live near near a rubens painting that you like uh, yeah, so I, I go to the, it's called the Gemälde Gallery, and uh, they have, I, I wouldn't say it's like the coolest museum at all, but their collection is so, so epic. They have, uh, it's like 13th to 19th century artwork, and, you know, I like, I have the, the it's called a Jahreskarte, like this year museums pass, it's like 100 euros, and you have 26 museums you can go to, and so like, that's the the most crazy thing for me from like a small town kid from like Western Canada lives on an Island, like not near anything to be able to hop on my scooter and like go to the Gemelda gallery and be like, I want to look at a Rubens or I want to like check out like, uh, uh, like Botticelli or look at like these like really over the top Rococo paintings, like on a whim. And then I come back to my studio and like, you know, do whatever I want. <laughs> so when when you first saw the Rubens in real life, like what 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 were the thoughts going through your head? Like was there something that surprised you by it? Just these like really over the top exaggerated bodies and like mountains of flesh and just the sort of actually uh, like I'd seen them in pictures and I thought they were sort of more polished, but they were quite more they're they're more expressive than I than I thought. There's you can see like the brushwork more. And especially in actually Munich uh, at the Alta Pinakothek has this like insane, this museum is crazy. Like, I think it's one of my favorites um, in Germany. And they have this like huge room with these like magenta pink upholstered walls. And it's like all Rubens paintings. And they have this one piece. It's got like over a hundred figures painted in it. It's like six meters by five meters. It's just this huge like orgy of bodies and like heaven and hell it's just crazy (laughs) it's just like yeah it's amazing you're talking about uh, these kind of mountains of flesh because it 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 reminds me that you loved jenny savile growing up as a student she was someone that you looked to because of the kind of very fleshy bodies and you felt like you could hide behind or inside the work of these fleshy figures uh, yeah, her work is crazy. I mean, I feel like I, I think I would like pass out if I ever got to meet her one day. Like, I don't. I, yeah, I, I, I was like certain when I was in like first year university that I was like, I'm going to be I'm going to be her, you know, like, I'm going to I'm going to do this. Like, um, yeah, I mean, I, she's next level. I don't know what to say. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, it's it's so you're talking about. um you know, if we talk about the practice and you're inspired by people like Jenny Savile and, you know, Freud and Francis Bacon, obviously we can see a lot in your work and we can see, inf- we can see all these influences of these artists, these, these old masters and contemporary masters that you're visiting in all the museums. But yet you also pull on your own, as we spoke earlier, identity and your own struggles. Mm-hmm. And you've described the work as the paintings as being the moment the painting seems to break apart and simultaneously come back together. And when we look at your works, they are these kind of, they're figurative, but they're, they're psychological and they're fragmented. And you were talking about starting therapy and the pandemic and, and kind of addressing your own past. Has it been 
a struggle making these paintings? Or is there a cathartic release that comes from your art practice? I think there's sort of like this trying to figure out myself and then, and, and, you know, kind of constructing a version of myself. Uh, and then it's like trying to construct selves like within the paintings. It's, um, like I, I think about sort of, um, things that I could like change about myself or, or if, if I was able to sort of swap out things that are perceived as flaws and kind of like almost, they're almost like puzzle pieces sometimes. So it's like, is the puzzle like falling apart? Is it coming together? Like I, I, I still haven't fully figured it out. I don't know if I ever will. I think it's probably like this, you know, it's obviously like a lifelong journey, but um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's sort of constructing. Well, the works are exploding, but they, they're exploding, but they still hold form. You know, it's that they're, they're, very fragmented, but yet they hold the form of a figure. They hold the form of, of a male is what we're seeing. And as an audience, we make assumptions that this is Andrew. I always have. I've always felt like they're very personal. I, I can't see them being other men in your life. Maybe they do take a certain form, but I feel like they're always um, fundamentally from you. Yeah, and, and I, quite often they like literally are from parts of me, you know. And I kind of like have. Uh, I, I was working with uh, collections from the Schwules Museum in Berlin. So this is the Schwule is gay in German. So it's a gay museum, and they have this really crazy archive of um, uh, physique magazines, like basically every physique pictorial and all these vintage gay porn magazines that were published from like the forties, fifties and onwards. So it's sort of like, was really crazy. When I saw this archive, I was like, Oh my God, it's like the history of like the queer male body, you know? And, and just when it wasn't, you know, when it wasn't, you know, when it was, wasn't really gay or was ostensibly, you know, about like, adoring the male physique and when I saw these I was just like I started I got to collect some of them and then I was sort of cutting them up and and thinking about like parts that I fetishized or idealized in other bodies and then kind of like using those as sort of the foundation for making works that were sort of about myself in a way what what are the parts you fetishize Andrew uh, you know, like arms and legs and nipples and ears and like all these, all these oh, ears. All you like ears? Parts. Good, good, good. Yeah, I love. I actually really loved. I love to draw an ear because it's like, it's it's like. I mean, it's like a fingerprint. You know, like it's so specific to every person. And I mean, actually, forensically, you can identify uh, as accurately as somebody with an ear print as you can with a fingerprint. Like, uh, you can what? like every. Yeah, you've seen like, did you ever see these like investigative shows? Like someone sticks their ear up against the window, like it leaves like a very specific print. It's like almost like a fingerprint, you know, and like people's ears, like it's such a complicated shape to draw. But I love like just knowing how to like with a few, you know, so it's all I, I draw ears a lot of my work, you know. Yeah. Um, well, I'm obviously always drawn to the ear. Uh, <laughs> and I didn't realize my ears. ear was a fit. <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. My my ear, my ear is my fingerprints. I like that. The works you're talking about are they the ones that you showed in Provincetown? Uh, the Didn't you do some at like on center. Yes. Yeah. 
Um, which which the collage, more collage pieces, you mean, or yeah? But were they were they collages? Or were they actually paintings? Because I thought they were like paintings that looked like collages. Yeah, they're ex- exactly. So they were like they were actual collages. So I had like um, so I worked like with cutting out paper and and creating collage, and then I scan, um, I sort of make them roughly like sometimes on on my table, and then I take them apart and scan each piece individually, and I sort of re-edit them in uh, Photoshop or like assemble them, sorry, in Photoshop and sort of tweak them. And then I can do more because you can like warp and scale and and stuff. And then, yeah. And then I, um, and then I paint them. They're airbrushed actually. Amazing. So, so growing up in Comox Valley, which I'd never heard of before, which is a remote Island in Canada, how did you find your way into art and was there any artistic scene there and were your parents arty in any way or crafty did they push you in any direction my mother 100 percent. she is like the she was like the 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 artistic force in my family for sure um yeah i mean i i grew up like my mom's super super artsy uh artsy fartsy as she likes to say and but in what um, way like crafty or or painting or yeah crafty painting like we we did everything when we were kids like uh we would like come home from school and we'd be like painting rocks with acrylic paint and like terracotta pots and i was like braiding like uh friendship bracelets and like i was such an artsy little queer kid like like for sure and my mom was always super super supportive of that she she pushed me a lot she was actually the reason she was the one that like really pushed me to go to art school i mean both my mom and dad were super supportive but my mom was very like yeah yeah always always doing like crafts like she used to calm me down i mean she like she said when i was a kid when i used to be i'm very high strung person and so i like as a kid to calm me down she used to just like throw me on the kitchen table island with like scissors and construction paper and glue and all sorts of stuff <laughs> and i would just like make things like costumes for my sister and like random like I would, everything <laughs> were you always interested in drawing as well because obviously drawing plays such a big part in in all of your paintings as well i feel like it's informed so much of the way your work uh, grew. Did, did you draw from a young age? Yeah, I mean, as far yeah, as far as I can remember, drawing. I mean, I think I think drawing is like the kind of the first thing you do as a kid. I mean, uh, like I liked I, painting. Like I like painting a lot. It's you know it's so exciting and gestural and stuff. But I think drawing is like I feel most like drawing is the thing that really like relaxes me the most to be honest like i i just i i like i just love like mark making and line and 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 working with charcoal and it's it's simple it's not too complicated you can really just like yeah so so you left um canada uh what or you left the valley where you were and you went to montreal at a certain stage in your life because you felt like you needed to escape from where you were because you couldn't really be who you wanted or needed to be yeah there was there so the i basically applied for university so i was in a i i took a year off from high school and then i went to north island college in my hometown and i started my art program there and then i was like not really comfortable with myself and and i I couldn't sort of handle accept myself and come out in my hometown so the easiest way to move was I applied for university on the other side of the country. So I went to NASCAD, which is in Nova Scotia. 
It's like literally the opposite coast. It was like 5,000 kilometers away. So my parents were like, could you move any further? <laughs> you know? And so I moved there and then stayed a semester. And then I visited Montreal and was like, fell in love and was like, I want to live here. And then, yeah, I, I made, made my way to Montreal um, in 2009, uh, just after my dad passed away. Um, and that's where I sort of got a part-time job and then kind of applied for art school. I applied for Concordia University in Montreal, and then I finished my degree there. And, and, what, and so this kind of being unhappy with yourself and your sexuality, which seems to be something that you're constantly exploring in your work, did you find that you were able to accept yourself more by moving further away from home and being in Montreal? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Montreal is a very, like, a very, a very gay, very queer city, you know? And and when I first came out, you know, my roommates who I live with, um, who were still really good friends, like, they were more accepting of me than I was. So it was this really, like, awkward. I was, like, really sort of tormented and struggled a lot. Um, but yeah, Montreal was, like, very sort of... Um, pivotal in me growing up you know like I kind of feel like I lived my teenage years in 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 Montreal like for all my 20s because I lived there for a decade so it was a very kind of it was it was a very good place for me to like live and go to art school and kind of come out and sort of have all these first experiences is it amazing thing is it an amazing thing to have art as a means of expression as a means of getting out of channeling anxieties or self-doubt or things that you are struggling with do you feel like art has been an incredible friend to you yeah i think it's it, i think it's been just another way of sort of expressing like getting things out you know like uh i'm uh, holding stuff in is just i mean like the tension is just so intense you know and that's why that's why i think like being able to paint or draw or sing or you know even just uh, if you're not an artist like that's why therapy is so great you're just sort of it it's like an action of like passing things kind of through you so it's it's uh yeah i I've, i feel lucky in that sense and that i'm able to to do this you know and um and that I live in a time that like I can be out and gay and make super gay artwork, you know, like it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah, a- totally. I mean, it's been an incredible shift in the last, I mean, the last three or four years when it comes to queer representation in art, there's been a whole movement of what has sort of been sidelined or ghettoized in a way that that's queer art has now become the mainstream has now become, we're looking at artists like, you know, like yourself, but like Louis Fratino, Daron Langberg, Salman Tor, artists mm-hmm. that are making figurative, queer, openly proud, openly gay, openly full of love between man and man work. And it's become the mainstream. It's an incredible time for, you know, art and for, and for queer artists. And you must be feeling excitement to be part of that movement yeah i mean especially with all the artists that you mentioned too uh i mean i think i think the thing that i've sort of realized and the thing sorry the thing with these artists too is their their work is so celebratory and so um it 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 has this amazing presence and like love about it you know and and i think there's a lot of like torment uh in growing up gay and 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 having that struggle 
And I think for me, what I've realized in the last like two years is that I'm actually really happy. And I really, I've like the, the sort of big task of my life over the last like few years has been sort of self-acceptance. And and I've sort of, I I really, and, and my work in the past was always sort of dealing a lot with this personal struggle. And so like this, there's this sort of shift going on right now. And I've been almost having this like kind of funny, melodramatic existential crisis being like, well, if I'm not like, if I'm not struggling and I, and I don't like hate myself anymore, like, can I even make artwork? Like, it, can I be an artist? Like I thought, you know, it's sort of this cliche of like tormented artists, you know? And so looking at works like, especially Louis Fratino, like his work is, it's so beautiful. And, 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 uh, and it's just, you know, it's not like, it's not about pain, you know? And I think that's, that's the, the sort of like huge shift in queer art now is like, it doesn't have to be about this like brutal struggle, you know? And that's something that I, I feel changing in myself and in my work too. Mm. Oh. Having, having said that though, I do, uh, some of the work that I most um, connected to yours was your body dysmorphia drawings. Um, I found those to be like, so sort of, um, touching in a way just because the struggle within them, like they're so complicated, those drawings. Can you talk a bit about the dark side, about things like that? Yeah, like The absolutely. kind of psychological <laughs> element to it. <laughs> so like the the body dysmorphia thing sort of, so the drawings and the like the collages are kind of like been happening in parallel. And so my initial my initial thought with the collages was like, thinking about sort of the way um uh the way we perceive ourselves and sort of the this idea of like i am flawed or like i am too skinny i am too fat i my arms are too skinny or i'm you know like like sort of picking ourselves apart and 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 the actual sort of reality of that the sort of like so that's 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 internal and then like i i was imagining like I was thinking about my own sort of neuroses in this sense, like and sort of self-deprecating thoughts. And then looking at these like vintage porn and physique magazines, like cutting out arms and bodies and stuff. I almost think about like Mr. Potato Head, you know, like if you could mm-hmm. kind of swap out the things on you that you perceived as flaws, like, oh, my nose or my ear, or like, you know, this or that. And like, if you could actually sort of change those things, like what would you really look like? You'd probably look more deformed, than you actually were, right? Because it's psychological. So I was making those collages and then the drawings, like the drawings sort of, the the drawings stemmed out of like, uh, out of a practice um, that I was doing um, with my mentor um, in Vancouver. His name is Justin Ogilvy. And he sort of had me doing these like little, this was a couple of years ago. And I, so I had to, every day I was doing like a sketch and, and then I also read this book about sort of it's called atomic habits so i was thinking about like i would come into the studio i would make a coffee i would sit down and i would draw for like 10 minutes and i would do like a small sketch and i just started it was automatic because every day i would come into my studio and make a coffee so i would like add on to the coffee and do like a little drawing just to sort of like get me out of my head and so the drawings were like it just became so automatic i would come in and like immediately i was ready to draw and then I would start like a small drawing and then the paper got like a little bit bigger and then a little bit bigger. And then I was working on like full size, like um, 
like arches sheets of paper and I would just come in and I would just hack out these drawings in like an hour and I'd be totally like lost in them, you know, and they were totally free form from my head. You know, I had sort of like scraps of magazines and like things kind of stuck all over the walls. So there was like, you know, there'd be like a bodybuilder and like a this and sort of like a Rubens painting, just everything just like, like all over my wall. And I would just kind of be like pulling from this sort of like stew that was in my studio. And then the drawings were kind of what was sort of happening. It was the result, basically. One of my favorite ones is called A Sunday Afternoon, and it's just like total chaos. And I love the idea of a Sunday afternoon because so many people are like, oh, it's Sunday and I had such a lovely day. Whereas for me, like living alone, sometimes Sunday is my most kind of internal because you get so like in your <laughs> own head. And I love that, that, that drawing you did. It's just like totally um, chaotic. I love it. So there's a story behind that drawing. <laughs> um, like, really? So, so, so Sunday in Berlin is like, like, we like to call, we like to say like going to church on Sunday, which is, you know, with my friends, that means going to Bergheim. So if you've ever been or heard about this club <laughs> or been, maybe, you know, it's sort of yeah, like, yeah, yeah. it's the studio 54 of our generation, basically. And so I go quite frequently, um, less so now because I've been busy, but, um, yeah, basically, I went, it had briefly reopened just before Omicron had kind of hit in November and Honey Dijon was playing. And um, I know her, she's, she's, uh, she's been to my studio before. She's, Love. she's great. So I had like this, you just showed up and she was like spinning and like, you walked into this like wall of sweat and just like hundreds of like gays and everyone was fabulous and dressed and smiling and cheering at each other and just like you look amazing oh my god so nice to see you ah, it was just like sweat <laughs> and techno music and it was crazy and so um yeah I remember I just I I like came into my studio on Monday and I was like riding this like wave of like extroversion just like fully recharged like exploding and I did this drawing thinking about her DJ set and like dancing at Berghain and it was just like boys 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 you know music everything so that's where that drawing comes from <laughs> mm, I love that I love Honey Dijon I met Honey Dijon a few times through Kim Jones a lot of the times when Kim Jones uh, who's the creative director of Dior and um, uh, yes. Fendi now uh, whenever he does his walks his kind of um seasonal shows i think honey does the music for it which is incredible yeah she's she's amazing yeah. um and the burkhain obviously is an amazing club i've never been in there i've been turned away uh oh my god oh that's no. so funny you've never been in yeah, I've never been in always wanted to be in and my boyfriend's uh, been in there and always we, reminds me that he has been in and i haven't so that's always we'll make it lovely. someday uh, <laughs> yes please andrew yeah. yes please we'll so everybody strings. looking at <laughs> if you can yeah well i've heard it's either you or wolfgang tillman so i have to be oh, friends yeah. with so um, right. <laughs> uh so now i'm friends with both of you so that's that's got to happen for us next time um so for anyone who has a look at your instagram they will see that you are a fashionista uh and you're a loyal fan <laughs> of one of one brand in particular that you seem to be wearing and also you don't fetishize the brand we're seeing a lot of this brand's clothing which is kind of couture but it's covered in paint and you celebrate the fact that you're wearing these very expensive clothes but you're wearing them in the studio practice and they become commonplace and very regular to you 
as part of your dialogue. Can we talk about this brand and can we talk about your collaboration with them and why they're so important to you? Yes. Um, yeah, very. So I'm like full in the middle of it still. Um, but I got approached by Gucci actually um, about a year ago now, actually. And they had approached me about being interested in my work and I was uh, chatting uh, on Instagram with Alex and he was like, hey, you know, I'm interested in your work. And I was kind of like, OK, cool, you know, whatever. And and just sort of chatting. And then and then um, I was like, oh, what who's Alex? He's one of the Alex, Alex, Alex Melguir. So he's in charge of like a brand or PR for Europe. Um, I could be mistaken. Uh, but so they'd reached out. And um, I was like, oh, you work for Gucci. OK, um, great. And then, yeah, one thing led to another and they had um, they're sort of uh, having conversations about masculinity and fashion right now. And, and so it really kind of there was like a, a big connection between between that and my work and my sort of ongoing questions of masculinity and like, gay identity. And so one thing led to another and several Zoom calls. And then I put I spent two weeks working on this pitch to put together a project. And so basically they've commissioned paintings um, that are going to be displayed for Fashion Week in Paris in the end of June. Um, and so basically the basically the project, uh, the sort of idea is, um, I mean, obviously I'm connecting it, I'm connect connecting it to Gucci and to clothing. So my work has always been sort of about investigations of the, the male body um, and, and questions of identity. And it's usually been about like skin and body parts, as you know, I mentioned with like the collage and stuff. So in this case, um, uh, we're sort of like looking at the male body, uh, but sort of through the lens of like clothing as a signifier, uh, like a uh, um, yeah, for gender expression, I guess. So, and actually, you've you've um, had a history of making kind of sets as well for photos. And I know on part of this project, you you've actually like painted a, a set that then models have been photographed in, and it's been this kind of a very complicated project in a way. It's not it's not as simple as you just standing in front of the canvas and doing it on your own. You've actually collaborated with a number of different people, and I think some of those photos are in Numero magazine now. Yeah, so we like we had to set up this photo shoot and it was not it wasn't like a it wasn't a small thing. It was a really huge um it was there was like 20 people on set and then the talent that we had hired. So it was like this huge photo studio and it, it you know, it was it was crazy. I was like I arrived on the shoot and I was like I can't believe this is all happening like like for my paintings. Like this is wild, you know, and it was to be turned into to create a fashion editorial as well but then the from the photos from the fashion editorial i would then take to my studio collage and then create paintings with those images so like bodies like like the like the drapery like the way your shirt creases around like your bicep or your your legs or your butt or so look thinking about like classically painting drapery but like not in the same way you know not the sort of these just like folding drapes you know like really looking at like these silk fabrics on uh, like around like a model's tight thigh or like you know the suit jacket sort of like stretching across the chest kind of thing so and you would you would choreograph where the models would stand and then 
you would have these images. Because I see a lot of Francis Bacon like wrestling paintings. And I feel like the images, the way that you styled the models in this shoot, they're they're wrestling, they're grappling. There is, you know, there are models, it is fashion, but there is a an angst there. There is an aggression that that is going through the photographs. Yeah, that was kind of the the um the idea. I mean you look at like Bacon's work, there was always this sort of like sexual tension and like is it wrestling? Are they having sex? Like and so there was I like that sort of weird, that, 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 that tension, you know, that like violence and intimacy kind of dichotomy. Um, mm-hmm. And so, yeah, uh, working with Julian, the photographer, like he was really like, uh, he was just, he was so good at sort of directing them. And we had a lot of dialogue back and forth for months about like what we want, like what we wanted for the shoot, what like my sort of vision was. So he really like had an amazing understanding of it. And so like, it was just sort of happening on the shoot. And we, one of the models was, um, is a, is a, is an artist, contemporary dancer, this guy, Corey. And like, at one point he just like folds over backwards, like in half. And I was just like, Oh my God, this is like the, (laughs) like gold, like material for me, for bodies, for painting, everything. It was just like, I was like almost in tears. That's so cool. And so, you, well, you sound like you mastered that day, so you must have felt nervous, but you got through it. And the, 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 the paintings that Gucci have commissioned and acquiring for their collection, um, where are they going to be on display? So we're doing, um, they're recreating, uh, they're recreating part of my studio in the Gucci store on uh, Boulevard Saint-Germain, like right across from Café de Flore. So it's like this, you know, historically very wow. artsy neighborhood. And so there is a store there that does like, I guess, capsule collections. So sort of, like a project space and then um yeah the stores are the you know the paintings there's five paintings are going to be displayed there they actually took my floor part of my floor in my studio so they're like going to unroll my floor and like all the paint stains and like there's going to be all this stuff and we're going to do like art talks and stuff like in the space and sort of like studio visits so it's going to be quite an interesting um yeah it's going to be super exciting. And, and you actually just delivered those works, didn't you? They finally left your studio and I saw you rolling up the carpet from under your floor and you said it was like a few years of your work and it was strangely mm-hmm. emotional. Yeah, it was <laughs> It was funny. I was rolling it up and then there was this like big void of clean, perfectly clean floor. Uh, and I was like, I'm definitely not getting my damage deposit back. because. And then so it was just this like clean thing and I was like, oh, this is this is strange, you know? It's like removing like... Like if you were to, uh, I, I, the, Jenny Seville used to say the joy of one of the, the joys of painting is you kind of receive the entire symphony all at once and you get to kind of like go backwards and like untangle it. And I was like moving my floor, like this chunk of floor into a different space. So I was looking at it, not as the floor, as like an art piece. And I was like, it's almost like the last like two years of my like blood, sweat and tears at times, literally like on this chunk of floor like it almost should be framed or something <laughs> yeah that's beautiful so what 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 is you know being supported by a brand like gucci give you because they have been incredibly supportive of the arts as talk art we've worked with gucci before we've done various events um they are incredibly supportive of the arts and it feels like an amazing uh, avenue that they can always are going down and trying to highlight and you know support what what is it like working with a brand like that and what does it give you um i mean first and foremost i think it's sometimes like a taboo like to talk about with artists but it's it's money like to have a work with a company that has like a budget and to be able to just like 
pay your bills and your studio rent without like freaking out is just like it's incredible it's like you know we we take it for granted so like i i i had like a huge safety net to kind of work on this project and my own work and it's that's been a huge like boost in kind of confidence you know um also they work with some really really cool people like um i did a studio visit with uh, adam eli um he's a queer jewish activist from new york he's a writer um he wrote a book it's called the new queer conscious uh conscience and mm. it's he's he came into my studio and he's he's so fabulous we got connected because he's also writes for gucci's chime for change for the gucci equilibrium and and he's a fabulous writer and you should follow him on, on instagram and so i knew who he was and he was in berlin and then Alex the from Gucci like connected us on email being like oh we're working together you guys should meet because you both do stuff for us and he came to my studio and was just like oh my god like so exciting to meet you and like just his energy was just like crazy and so we became friends so just kind of really interesting artists and creatives so that's been also super exciting and yeah, it feels like they're in- incredible patrons for mm-hmm. your art and then also networking you to other interesting people who can inspire each other and continue your practice so that feels i I think they're so good at like investing and highlighting people that need support Mm. and then they're they're sort of investing in your creative potential so it's not even just about them having their name on something so i don't even think they, they never really seem that bothered about that i think they're more interested in just helping to push things forward um, you know, thinking, yeah. with, with like-minded yeah. kind of creators from all different industries, whether it be music or art or different things. But I, I do think it's genuine because, I, I mean, Alex yeah. is so cool. I remember when he first discovered your work and he was like sending it to me and going like, you have to meet this guy. Like, he's so good <laughs> and I'd never heard of you. And he's, they are sort of like champions in a way, yes. um, you know, for different talents. Yeah. It's great. Yeah, it's been, it's been super exciting. And I mean, like, they they didn't give me any conditions about making making the work like I had carte blanche to kind of do whatever I wanted and you know actually I I remember kind of like at the beginning of this project we because we had got connect, I got connected to Rob and then um, we had like sort of chatted briefly and I sort of I was like kind of stressed out and overwhelmed with the sort of the pressure of everything and then I'd like message Rob to be like hey can I ask you some like art world questions and like stuff about like working with Gucci because he had mentioned you guys had done a project with him before and then I I don't think I actually had a question I was just sort of having like a little bit of like no we ended up having like a half an hour phone call didn't we (laughs) yeah you basically just gave me a pep talk (laughs) I had no questions I was like I have a question to ask and I was just feeling vulnerable and like needed to talk I think (laughs) yeah that's cool. So that well, cool. also as a brand and with your own practice where you're constantly exploring what is masculinity, as a brand, they're working with an artist, Harry Styles, who is pushing that question further out there. He's he's a guy who's not afraid to wear whatever he wants to wear. Uh, he's pushing what is masculinity. And it's a really fascinating conversation to be having with the brand, with yourself and with an artist like Harry Styles right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, am I'm, I'm super grateful for the whole thing. It's, it's really, it's, it's an amazing platform and, and, and I mean, it's stuff that, I mean, it's, I didn't, I don't, I didn't really have to change anything about myself. I think that was also a reason why it was so, um, it felt so easy to kind of say yes, um, because it wasn't like, oh, we want to hire you and you have to sort of like fit into this mold. It was really like, 
I got to just sort of be myself in this project and, 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 you know, and also that it wasn't just about me painting in my studio. Like the fact that I got to work that Numero did a, an, an article about it. And then that I got to connect with, you know, to do a photo shoot and I got to involve all these other people, you know, like there's a bunch of, uh, there's like a video coming out and there's like a little documentary and like, you know, just all the interesting creatives that I got to connect with is also kind of like, it can be a rarity for, for a studio artist, you know, quite often we're just sort of like hold up in our studio. So to be able, I, I personally really like to have feedback from people and, and, and to engage with people. So to be able to work on something together is also a, is a privilege as well. Andrew, something I really love about your work is, um, is the technical ability of it. Um, I've noticed quite a few artists, like young artists, send you comments on Instagram saying, where the hell have you learned how to be this technically good or able? And um, and this idea of like old master skills and where you've learned them. Like, how come you are so like talented? Did you have teachers or is it something that you've just kind of um, focused on yourself? Because obviously you're incredibly driven and you're in the studio all the time. So you obviously dedicate 100% of your time to your your work. But, but uh, w- w- did you go on like, life drawing classes like what was the route for you um so that's a that's a two-part answer (laughs) so school um (laughs) i had some really great instructors um i had a um a drawing instructor in second year who was like this he's this very beloved art teacher he retired um his name is uh joe DeLeo, and he was like really sort of like supportive of of me and his class for my second year drawing. And then, you know, we were, we're still in touch. Actually, we still, t- still speak every once in a while. And so he was really influential and in sort of like pushing me. He's really, really amazing artist. Like his, he's like, like Italian old school, like just realism. Like he's just, he's, he's the man for sure. And so I'll, um, so he was one influence. And then um, when I was, it was 2018. I was sort of struggling, struggling with my work. Like I felt like I really was like lacking some technical skills and I wanted to learn some more specific things regarding, um, painting, you know, and specifically, yeah, classical painting stuff. I was just stuff that I didn't, wasn't really taught in school. And, and I got a grant from the Canadian government, from the Canada Council for the Arts. And, um, that was to go do a mentorship in Vancouver with uh, an artist named Justin Ogilvie. And so, um, Justin and I had been sort of like doing mentoring phone calls, um, six months before. And then, I was like, I'd been living in Montreal for a decade and, and, and we had such a good sort of bond over the phone and I knew his work and I really like look, look up to him as an artist and he's amazingly skilled. And so it just felt, it was like, it was like, yes, this is exactly where I have to go and this is who I have to like do this with. And so I put together my first Canada council grant, which is like a very difficult thing to do and it has to be done in a specific way. And and I succeeded the first time and I got uh, almost uh, 90% of the full amounts. So I got $9,000 from the Canadian government. Wow. Um, I got to move to Vancouver, which is where I'm, where I was from. So it was like, I never lived in Vancouver, but like that's that area, you know? And so it was strange to be like after 10 years 
of living in Montreal and sort of like becoming a totally different person, going back to where I had grown up basically. And then sort of like learning about new painting skills. It was this really odd kind of like coming home moment. And then, and then like doing this really intense, like life drawing atelier kind of skills, classical painting techniques for like about nine months. Um, and so that was like, uh, that was just before that led up to me moving to Berlin. So I went from that mentorship to like moving to Berlin. So that was that was major. But alongside all this, it does feel like your mum has been fundamental. You said she was a artsy, artsy, fartsy person, but she, I, I've read that you, you your first art you was ever exposed to was uh, your mum's copy of Van Gogh's sunflowers painting that would be hanging up yes. in the house. Yes, uh, yeah. I re- this painting used to like sit in the in the in the like laundry room in our in our house. Like it was. It was an oil painting too, you know, and it was it was a pretty it was a pretty decent size. I think it was about like 150 centimeters by like maybe 120. Or wow. Something. Um, and yeah, so that was yeah. I always remember that. I was I remember being in high school, being like, oh, I really hope I can paint something this good someday, you know. Like, <laughs> oh. um, yeah. And then when you were 13, she took you on an artist studio visit in some kind of high rise building. Can we talk about that? Yeah, that so that was also that's a very uh, that was a very like um, felt like a very pivotal moment that sort of like cemented in my memory because I uh, we I went to Vancouver and sort of when I was like a teenager like going to Vancouver was just like oh my god it was like this huge city and it was so crazy and I just I really knew I wanted to I was like I want to be an artist I want to do this all the time and then going to this um, studio a friend of mine Dave Edwards he had the studio in Gastown in Vancouver in this like really old, like iconic, like old brick, like brownstone kind of building and with like the metal fire escapes. And we were like in this, you know, super high ceilings and, and walked in and he had this, like these big paintings. And I just thought they were so beautiful. And I was just like, this is, this is what I want to do. Like, I want to, I want this, you know? So yeah, that was also major. And what about oil paint? Because your paintings are all in oil. And I think that's very um, sort of useful for the kind of work you're trying to make. Um, is there something that you love, more, you know, with, with oil compared to acrylic? Actually, they're they're a mix of both right now. So I'm working like so this ah. whole whole like classical painting technique thing. I got frustrated because like I wanted I was trying to paint this sort of like collage thing in oil, and I was like, this is going to take me six years to finish a painting because you know, it takes so long to dry and there's so many layers. I was like, this, this, this isn't working. Like, and you want to tape things out and make it look sharp. So then you can't tape over it for weeks. Like, so, um, so yeah, I started, that's how I kind of got into airbrushing. So I was like, I, I'm not, I don't particularly enjoy acrylic because it dries too quickly and you can't get that like juicy kind of, you know, smooth, um, marks like you can in oil. So, but you can do these like crazy tonal variations and airbrush. You can get like infinite detail. It's almost photographic when you paint it. So that's, I started underpainting and doing the grisaille, like an imprimatura and then a grisaille in airbrush. And then I oil over top of it. Right. Explain what those are. <laughs> Sorry. I'm like painting nerd stuff. Um, yeah. So like you looking at like any classical, like most classical paintings. So like, uh, you know, Rubens or whatever, you know, Caravaggio, like, 
it, it's almost like think about it like a black and white photograph. So the whole image is created in tones, like the tonal value of the painting is done first in black and white. And that's what they call a grisaille. Um, so, well, technically first it's an imprimatur, which is done in browns. So you paint in the shadows in these sort of light, light browns and umbers. And then you go over top and you paint in the highlights in white. And you have this sort of like black and white version of the painting. And then the color just gets glazed on over top. Um, and so... I didn't really understand, like there's, there was no sort of like explicit explanation of this when I was like a student. And I remember watching this art talk with John Curran and John Curran does these like wacky figurative paintings. Like it was like his pregnant wife, with these like huge bellies and they're super, super hilarious and campy. And he paints like in a very classical way. And he was talking about his, his process like very explicitly. And I was like, Oh, that's how you, that's how you do that. And I was like, okay. So then it's like, and he talked about it when he realized this, it was sort of this like magical moment because you look at some of these classical paintings, you're like, how do you get this sort of like warm to cool kind of gradation and these like super subtle, like movements. It's not from mixing. Like you would have to mix like millions of like tonal gradations to do this. Like it's all just like, it's thin glazes of paint and the, the light coming from underneath, you know? So that's how, that's mm. kind of how that works. The easiest, oh God, I love that. the easiest explanation is like thinking about like National Geographic magazine in the fifties, like a black and white image with sort of crude color over top of it. So good. So good. Yeah. So, okay. So upcoming exhibitions. So we're talking about the Gucci store upcoming, which is very exciting. You have two uh, group exhibitions happening in London. Um, there will be one that should be on now currently called Come Out and Play at Beers Gallery, which yes. is uh, a great space that you have a work in. And then you have a, other work. Haven't you? I thought you curated that show. No, I, I wrote the forward for it. I wrote no, the... I, think, I thought Andrew curated it. Or am I wrong? No, Andrew, no, Andrew Salgado. Salgado. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Ah, yeah. sorry. Andrew Salgado curated it and he's in it. And he invited Andrew Moncrief to be in the show. I wrote oh, the I exhibition text for it. Post. Yeah. Okay, but I'm that's cool. It. And then you have another show at New Art Projects, which is Canadian contemporary drawing, which feels very nuanced. Uh, for this space in London, but this is called Lines in the Snow. Can you talk a bit about how you got involved in these shows and what you're showing? Yeah, so uh, Lines in the Snow, so that happened in February, actually. So the show came oh, down okay, um, in, in mid-April, but um, my friend uh, Zachary Logan um, is an artist that's represented by them, and he's uh, he's a really, um, he's also a really, like, like an amazing artist. He's, he's, uh, he's wonderful, and he's a good friend. We got connected because I fell in love with his work and we met at a art fair once and I was like, Oh my God, you know, love your work. And so we've been in touch ever since. And so he was like, Oh, I like what you're doing, you know, in December and was like, would you want to participate in this group show in London? And I was like, Oh my God, absolutely. Like, yes, please. <laughs> um, so, so that, yeah, th those, those were the body dysmorphia images uh, or the bodybuilder images that I had the big drawings that I did um, recently were displayed there. And then, um, yeah, Come Out and Play is uh, so like an LGBT show that's happening at Beers um, and Andrew Salgado. Um, I've known him for years, followed his work and stuff. So he had in invited me to take part in that show as well. Yeah, and you've got incredible 
incredible work in that show. I, I'm really excited for people to go and discover the show. It's happening around uh, London Pride and uh, an incredible group of artists in there. And your work in there for me is is standout. I think we spoke recently. There's one in particular that has a great background, but it definitely has this ex- explosive feel, but kind of this fragmented feel, but coming back together. And I think the work's incredibly powerful. Thank you. Yeah, I'm excited about it too. It's a really, it's, a, it's also an honor to show. They show really great work and, and yeah, it's a super, super amazing group of artists. So I, I yeah, looking forward to it. Great. And the best thing is it's free to get into all those spaces. Absolutely. The, the Gucci shop as well is free, isn't it? So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, you haven't, you haven't got to buy anything. You can go in there and just look at the art yeah, and take exactly. pictures. <laughs> what is, are, are you, are you um, incredibly ambitious? Do you have huge hopes and dreams and things that you want to achieve by a certain age? Because you're coming up to 40 soon, right? And Well, not that soon. You're born in 1987. I've just turned 40. So actually, take that, scrap that. You've got, that. Like, oh You've got another few years. <laughs> <laughs> no, 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 no! You've got six years. Sorry, sorry to yeah. scare you then. But what? <laughs> well, I what, just turned thirty-five, so I was like, it was okay. Like yeah, don't worry. Like, ignore oh me. My God, ignore I'm me. You're in your. You're winning. Whoa. It's the best age. What is your hopes and dreams? What is it that you're kind of pushing towards now? <sighs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I'm, I'm just uh, hoping to. You know, I would I would love to like have gallery representation in London. Um, I'm, I'm currently unrepresented um, right now. I'm working with an agent, um, and he's super wonderful. Um, so I have some I have some shows and some other things that are coming up uh, through him. Um, and I've been connected with some really amazing collectors recently. So there's some really exciting kind of things happening. Um, I'm trying not to think about I think about it too much and just sort of focus on work. But yeah, I mean, I, I, I would love to be like showing in like the Met and like the Whitney Biennial or some crazy, crazy places, you know, and 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 showing with artists. And I, w- I would I actually had this like the sort of dream one day of like owning um, owning a building like an artist studio building. Um, and I sort of saw it as this space like I, I sort of see myself as like a, a mature artist whatever you know maybe in my 40s I don't know if I can own a building by then but like you know where I could have like meet my studio and other really amazing artist studios and then be able to like have those more successful artists subsidize studios for new artists and people that are trying to like make their way you know so if I could create I would love to be able to create this sort of space um Maybe it's a little bit idealistic. I don't know if it, it'll happen, but I sort of, yeah, that's something that I really wish I could do because like, I feel super grateful because I've had a lot of um, opportunities and, 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 and I've worked hard and yeah, I, but I've also been supported in times of need and stuff like that. And, and I really hope to be able to like give back to the artist community at some point um, in any way I can or like even mentor young artists, um, I think is something that I'd really like to do. Um, so yeah, that's also aside from like showing and selling and be able to live and support myself, you know, I'd, I also hope to be able to maybe even teach someday. I'm not sure. Um, but definitely like mentor, I would love to be able to do that. And yeah, that's wonderful, Andrew. And I think you'd be a great teacher. You've talked to us all about the gradations of painting today, which we haven't, I don't think we've ever had that discussion. What was so it called on, again? On that, Grisaille. Uh, Grisaille, yeah. Oh my God. You know, ask Grisaille. me technical questions and so I can glamorous. just talk for hours. <laughs> yeah. You're a teacher. So we, we, we ask every guest who, 
two questions. The first question is, if you could do an art heist um, and take home any artwork, uh, we can help you uh, do it. And it's a polite art heist. It doesn't have to be illegal. Um, what artwork would you take home? So there, there's two, actually. Um, one of them is in the collection for the Beiler Foundation in Switzerland. And it's, um, it's a very emotional piece, but it, it's this portrait of George Dyer from Francis Bacon. And it was a piece that he had done. Um, it's part of a triptych that he had done after he had died. He had committed suicide at his opening at the Grand Palais in Paris. And there's sort of these three paintings that he created uh, portraits like postmortem. And they're just like so beautiful and heavy. Um, it would be those. And then uh, also um, there's a painting at the Prado. It's like uh, from Velasquez, it's Christ on the Crucifix. Also very kind of like heavy painting. But I remember the first time I visited the Prado and I walked into this like room adjacent from the big room with Las Meninas. And I just remember like shivers on my body. And like I actually wept in front of this painting. So that would if I could have that in my house, I could stare at it like for days. So that would be it. Just cry, just cry all the time. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's good. It's good. <laughs> I, a good cry helps, you know. <laughs> has has the work changed for you as as you feel more accepting of yourself and happier in Berlin and surrounded by queerness and love and light? Has your work changed for in the last few years? Definitely. Uh, and this is actually something that my mentor kind of like Justin had pointed out. We had had this conversation, you know, like actually last year. And he's like, you know, you're talking about all this struggle and all this. And he was like, you're saying this. And then I'm like seeing your work and I just don't really I, I don't. There's sort of like something that's like not connecting anymore because, you know, it's like lots of bright colors and it's it's much more celebratory. So I, I think so a lot. And I think just sort of the context of being here and access to art like I, I i don't know if it's uh change that i'll be able to fully understand until i get a little bit more hindsight but a hundred percent so much is so much has changed like yeah big time that's great to hear i'm talking about bright colors then what is your favorite color i think cerulean blue um for several reasons i mean i really love this like moment in the devil wears prado where she comments on the cerulean sweater i know this is a very iconic gay scene <laughs> uh but it's it's a really beautiful blue it's just like yeah. uh, so violet sassy. bias blue it's so like it's it's like sky blue you know and it's like also really expensive so it's 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 i don't use it very often <laughs> i love that often described as the color of the sky on a clear day mm -hmm. yeah no no clouds it's a beautiful color. Yeah. What is the best advice you have ever received when it comes to your art? Um, this is also a two part, two part thing. Um, so one of my teachers used to say, uh, you have to make a hundred bad paintings to make one good painting. And if the last two years, I can definitely say that I can confirm that <laughs> considering the amount of work I've made, um, and lots of failures. Um, also, I think uh, this one would be a little bit, this piece of advice would be more to like young artists. Um, I remember doing a studio, or not a studio visit, um, uh, to chatting with this artist named Sophie Jodoin from Montreal. And, you know, I was like this super kind of um, tenacious and kind of like 
over overachieving uh, art student. And I remember asking her because I was like, how do you get from here to there? You know, you're like an art student. You're like, okay, but I want to I want to be you. Like, how do I do this? And she had said, if you can like keep money coming in from like anywhere else so that you can create art that is specific and as weird and fucked up as you want, um, do it like do that don't live off your artwork. Like if you can have money coming in as like a side job and you can just be weird and express yourself and do whatever you want for as long as possible, do it. And I think as like young artists, I think that's important because you need to sort of develop a sense of self and your voice. Um, and the hardest time for me was when I tried to sort of like, um, be too big for my britches like in the beginning and I was like I'm going to start living off my artwork and then it, it was a really big struggle because I couldn't afford to like live properly and it really affected my sort of like um, mental state and my sort of self-worth because I was like trying to like be brave and and make work but then you're like oh but I have to sell something so it sort of becomes this sort of weird spiral so yeah that would be yeah having a side hustle to paint and be weird um is is key who was the professor who said to you um to create great work we should seduce visually and repel conceptually oh my god um who said that oh i totally where did that come from seduce visually yeah that's a i haven't heard that in ages and you pulled that from somewhere random um <laughs> i always do oh it was um, some old some old professor I think his name was Adrian Fish. I had, he was a photography instructor in, 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 at NASCAD. I think that was him. Yeah. And I remember this piece of advice also being really funny because I was like, you know, it's sort of like a friend used to say, like, pull you in, you know, so like pull you in and then slap you across the face. Right. You kind of like get sucked <laughs> into the work and then you're like, whoa, you know, well, that is, that is your work. We are being pulled in and we are being seduced and then we're sort of being repelled and it is a, it is a kind of to and throwing mm-hmm. energy that runs through your work, which is uh, exciting to be around. Thanks. What do you say to that? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> well, thank you very much for today, Andrew. It's been amazing talking to you uh, in hot Berlin. For everybody listening, follow Andrew on Instagram at Andrew Moncrief. M-O-N-C. It's actually not though. It's oh. um it's at A N underscore Drew underscore Moncrief. That is correct. Okay. <laughs> Sassy. Thank you. That's correct. Sassy. And Moncrief is spelt M-O-N-C-R-I-E-F. That is correct. <laughs> and you can also go to andrewmoncrief.com um to see images of Andrew's work and head over to Saint Germain de Pre in Paris to Gucci's store and you can actually experience his incredible paintings in person from the Gucci collection. Loving that. Uh for all images please go on to it. What's that again? From June oh, June June twenty second, yeah, is the is when that's happening. Yeah. Amazing. And then follow uh, New Art Projects and you can see the previous show that Andrew had there and Beers Gallery in London, upcoming show. Yeah, they're near the Barbican, aren't they, Beers? Uh, yes. I think the street they're on is called Little Britain. I always oh, that's right. That. It's Little Britain. This is near St. Paul's. Yeah, yeah between yeah, exactly, the yeah. Barbican and St. Paul's, yeah. It's a lovely space. Yeah. And uh, and that's free to get into, so definitely exactly. see that show for a, 
host of amazing um, uh, queer artists. Very exciting. Exactly. And for everything else, please go to at TalkArt and all these at, at, at. Um, we are going to say goodbye we'll be back now. very soon. Back soon. Thank you, Andrew. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much. Bye, Andrew. Yeah, ciao. Take care. You've been listening to Talk Art with Robert Diamond and Russell Tovey. Follow us on Instagram at Talk Art, where you can view images of all artworks discussed in today's episode, with music by Jack Northover. Subscribe to Talk Art at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Acast, or wherever it is that you get your podcasts. Give us a rating and write us a comment. Thanks for listening.